Hello everyone, welcome to Hometown Horrors. I'm your host, Leanne. This is part two of Justice for Grant and Gracie. If you haven't listened to part one, you might want to go ahead and go back and do that. It gives um, more information to this case. This case has lots of um, twists and turns, and you need the information in that first episode um, to go along with the information in this second episode. Um, Just a few little business things. If you would like to help with the podcast, um, you can donate to Patreon. You can also, there's a donate button in the show notes. Um, All that will be there if you would like to do that. It would also be helpful if you could um, leave a review and subscribe and also share. Share this episode. Share part one. Um share the blog post, share the social media, um, go follow Freedom for Gracie on all the social media. All that information will be in the show notes, and um, they really need your help to get exposure for this case. Um, I think that's all. I'm going to give a few disclaimers, and then we'll get into it. The views, thoughts, and opinions are my own. Information is obtained from verified sources and family members, Parties are innocent until proven guilty in a court of law. This contains adult themes, including death and sexual assault. We're going to start, we're going to talk about Grant today. Um, The following information is based on individual statements, emergency responders, police reports, Aaron Solomon's 911 call, and additional information. On July 20th, 2020, Grant got up to go to WPI, which is Ward Performance Institute. Um, It's a baseball training facility. Before he left his house, Grant told his mom, Angie, that he did not want to die in Gatlin today. Um, Grant has asthma and had previously had COVID. This is 2020, the height of COVID. So he was struggling with his lungs. You know, they hadn't healed up yet. And um, as someone who has asthma and has had COVID, it's a struggle. Um, Angie contacted Aaron to make sure he was going to be there in case Grant had any problems. She told Aaron if he wasn't going to be there, then she would go sit in the parking lot. Aaron said he would be there. One hour and 20 minutes after telling his mom that he did not want to die in Gatlin today, Gatlin is um, like a little community in Nashville. Grant was found in the ditch underneath his truck with blunt force trauma to the back of his head. I'm going to read that again. One hour, 20 minutes after telling his mom that he did not want to die in Gatlin today, Grant was found in the ditch underneath his truck with blunt force trauma to the back of his head. The scene was investigated and cleared in less than an hour. In less than one hour, they felt that was sufficient to look at everything, gather evidence, and clear the scene. That's not normal. Seven police officers from the Gatlin Police Department were the ones that 
investigated and cleared the scene in that short amount of time. In all of the reports I looked at, I did not see any mention of crime scene investigators, forensic techs, um, anything like that. The, it doesn't mention, you know, forensics came to get any of the evidence. doesn't mention anything about a crime scene investigator. Um, it was just deputies that were mentioned in the report. Aaron has two different stories when asked about Grant's arrival at the baseball facility. In his first version, Aaron states that he was already there, sitting in his car when Grant arrived. He saw Grant pull in, get out of his truck, open the back door. And in the second version, Aaron states that he happened to catch up with Grant on Veterans Bridge and follow Grant into the parking lot. Nobody really knows which story is correct, which is true. Now we're going to talk about Aaron's 911 call. Aaron tells 911 that, quote, my son's truck has backed over him and it's rolled over him and drug him into the ditch and is on top of him. He's trapped under the truck and, uh, uh, yeah, he somehow, it drug him underneath. He's trapped under the truck. He's underneath the vehicle. Somehow it backed up. He was just getting out. We were on an incline and I guess he didn't have it in park or something or it wasn't engaged. I can't believe this. I don't know whether it was in park or what or if it didn't engage the brake or it drug him underneath somehow, end quote. And pretty much that's how he sounded. He was not panicked. Um, he sounded like he was just kind of carrying on a regular conversation. Aaron mentions to the 911 operator that three men were also there. And he appears to be relaying information from the 911 operator to these three men. When the police arrive, these men are nowhere to be seen. Aaron said that the men were driving a white box truck that no one else has ever saw. There is no evidence that these men were there. The police didn't see them. Anybody else that was, you know, a bystander or anything, nobody saw this truck or these men. While Grant was lying in the ditch, dying, his father, this is so terrible, his father did not go down there to check on him. He didn't talk to him. He didn't go down there and hold his hand to be with him, to offer him any kind of comfort. He stayed up in the parking lot. Aaron claims his knees were weak and he had to sit at the top of the ditch. I'm sure you see something like that happen to your child. Your knees are weak. But if I had to crawl, I'm going to my child to do whatever I can to help, to make sure they are not alone. They know I love them. I'm, you know, holding their hand, whatever. There is no way he would keep me away from my child. And for him to stand up there because his knees are weak, it's just beyond heartless. 
Aaron also claims that he or no one else went down there until EMS arrived. He also stated that no one touched Grant or his truck. Aaron's statement to the police contained only 87 words. That's it. It basically stated that he was in his vehicle looking at a work email. He stated that Grant's truck rolled backwards over Grant, dragging him down a steep hill. Included in his statement was his own tale of how he stretched over the very same rocks in the very same ditch to demonstrate to Angie, Grant's mother, how Grant's head was laying, quote, face up. He could do that, but he couldn't go down there and be with his son. At the time of his death, Grant had on a t-shirt, shorts, socks, tennis shoes, a hat, and a cross necklace. None of these items were damaged. There were no tire tracks in the tall grass where his truck rolled. I'm sure you all have seen, you know, I'm from the country. Um, We drive trucks through grass all the time going, you know, to the farm and stuff like that. It bends the grass down. You can tell that a car has rolled through there no matter how slow or how fast it's going. There is trace that a truck has rolled through there. It bends the grass, especially if the grass is tall. According to Sumner County EMS patient care records, they found, quote, an 18-year-old male lying supine on the large rocks in the drainage ditch underneath the front of the truck between the two front tires. However, the weight of the vehicle was supported by the wheels and was not being exerted upon the patient. Again, the weight of the vehicle was supported by the wheels and was not being exerted upon the patient. Upon initial impression, patient is noted to be unresponsive but breathing and is noted to have some bleeding from the scalp, nose, and ears, end quote. The following narrative summary of circumstances surrounding the death on the death certificate states, quote, injuries included lacerations to the scalp with bleeding from there, his nose, and ears. During extraction, he lost his pulse and trauma cardiac arrest was started. Emergency department physician documentation states about Grant's death, quote, he was noted to have blood from the nose and mouth and ears, severe lacerations to the back of his scalp with suspected skull fracture. No deformities were noted at his legs. No deformities were noted at his legs. Apparently, you know, supposedly his truck ran over him. He had no injuries to his legs. The only injuries that he had were to his head. Also noted was that the anterior neck was without trauma. 
Diagnosis on the documentation was listed as cardiac arrest, cause unspecified, blunt trauma arrest with traumatic brain injury, head injury sustained to occipital is open bleeding. Notes from Rescue 5 disclose the following, quote, an 18-year-old male was found trapped beneath the front end of a Toyota Tacoma pickup truck that came to rest nose down in a rock culvert. The patient's body was pinned between the front axle and the ground in a position that prevented him from being removed or given emergency care. The front of the truck was then lifted with two high lift jacks to a height that allowed the patient to be removed, end quote. <clears throat> Gatlin Police Department Officer Curtis McKelvey said in his report that he spoke with the father of the male subject and he stated that he was meeting his son at the facility and that he had arrived there first. Quote, Mr. Solomon stated that he was sitting in his vehicle when Grant pulled in next to him in his white pickup truck. Mr. Solomon stated that he observed Grant get out of the truck and walk toward the back door area. Mr. Solomon stated that he then noticed that the truck was no longer parked beside him and he started to get out and look and heard a loud crash and observed Grant's truck had rolled down the hill and into the ditch. Mr. Solomon stated that he went over to the area of the truck and observed Grant under the vehicle. Mr. Solomon stated he called 911 at the time and attempted to help his son, end quote. So how exactly did Aaron attempt to help Grant? Um, he didn't go down there. Also, I would think that if you're messing around in the back seat and your car start or your truck starts to roll, you're going to start hollering. And he, his dad should have heard that. Um, I think I would have noticed sooner that the truck was moving. Um, according to all of Aaron's statements, he was too upset to go down to Grant. The only thing remotely helpful that Aaron did was call 911. After Grant was pronounced dead, Aaron called his former boss at WSMV-TV asking for Vince Gill's phone number. Um, if you don't know, Vince Gill is a country music star. It's been around forever. Um, this was right after Grant was pronounced dead. So what was on his mind was calling and getting Vince Gill's phone number from his contact at WSMV TV. Um, at Grant's Celebration of Life, Vince Gill dedicated a song to Gracie over the casket of Grant on behalf of his longtime friend, Aaron Solomon. This drives me crazy. It's one of those, you know, if you haven't picked up on the theme here of Solomon loves appearances, um, keeping things up for appearances for, for him, not anybody else, just for him. So Aaron refused an autopsy on Grant. He didn't ask Angie about it. Why would you refuse an autopsy? 
I mean, I know you think you know what happened, but an autopsy needed to be done. I don't know why the police would let you refuse one, but that's a whole nother thing. Um, he did not consult Angie about this. In fact, he had already completed all of the paperwork while Angie was driving an hour to the hospital. So she had been called, told what happened. She had an hour drive ahead of her. And his thought was to go ahead and complete all the paperwork, get it out of the way and um, make sure, you know, make sure his tracks were covered. <clears throat> now we're going to talk about um, Grant's baseball goggles. He did not leave his home without his baseball goggles. Aaron said in a video that Grant had the goggles on when he got out of the truck. The paramedics on scene stated Grant did not have the goggles on. And it is not mentioned in any of the paperwork, you know, from EMS or anybody like that. No one mentions the goggles that he was supposedly wearing. Grant's baseball hat was found in the ditch under the truck. They were not, <clears throat> excuse me, there were not any marks or indications that it had been run over. There were drops of blood found on the hat, but it didn't have, you know, stains or tire marks or anything like that. Um, Grant's phone, the app Life360, shows his phone in the ditch until 2.11 p.m. on the day of his death. It then shows the phone traveling around Gatlin and Hendersonville to different locations. Grant's phone was charged to 100% on 720 at 9.30 a.m. On 721, it was down to 46%. Aaron had told Angie at the funeral home that a nice man had found Grant's belongings and had charged Grant's phone for them. Grant's truck was not impounded by the police. They didn't take custody of it. They didn't have forensics look at it or anything. Um, the truck went to Aaron and he drove Grant's truck around town for months. He never reported any malfunction to Toyota. Even though his story stated that Grant's truck um, could possibly have jumped out of park or didn't engage properly. Normally, you report that to the manufacturer when something like that happens, but there was no report of that made. Angie asked for Grant's truck and Aaron repeatedly told her no. Aaron drove Grant's truck until around February of, or March of 2021. Aaron then claims that he totaled the truck. The truck then went to auction. Um, and the pictures from the auction show no damage to that truck, even though it is claimed that it was totaled. Some parts were pulled off and laying in the bed of the truck, but it was not wrecked. There was not any damage. Angie was eventually able to buy Grant's truck and keep it somewhere Aaron would not be able to find it. 
At Grant's funeral, Aaron speaks of a, quote, Brantley miracle, which was the man who found Grant's phone and things at WPI. Aaron gives this big speech about how the man was a non-believer in God and had lived a rough life, but finding Grant's belongings after his death affected him so deeply that now he was a believer. That, that seems very out of place at your son's funeral. Um, maybe I just do things differently, but I don't think that's the time for something like that. Grant was his mom and sister's protector. He had just turned 18 years old and he had made it known that he planned on taking his dad to court for what he had done to Gracie, for the abuse that he, he did to Gracie. He thought that maybe the courts would believe him now since he was considered a man since he had turned 18. All he wanted was to make sure his mom and sister were safe and taken care of. And by all evidence and actions, it appears he could have been, you know, I can't accuse anyone of anything, um, but his life was cut short because he was trying to help his mom and sister and he loved them and was doing the best that he could do. So now we're going to talk about Gracie and A Cry for Help. A Cry for Help is a video on YouTube. 14-year-old Gracie was brave enough to post a YouTube video titled A Cry for Help. In the video, Gracie says the following, quote, My father is a monster. He's a rapist. He's a monster. He's a liar. And he's a killer. End quote. Gracie speaks of the horrible abuse, horrible sexual abuse she endured at the hands of her father. Aaron Solomon responded to this video by hiring the powerful law firm of Bassberry and Sims in Nashville. They filed a defamation lawsuit against Angie and 28 other people. This included at least one Grace Christian Academy classmate. This was an intimidation tactic. It was purely to intimidate and silence Gracie and her supporters. And that is a theme you're going to see a lot of. The defamation lawsuit was withdrawn from a Williamson County court and a new lawsuit was filed in a Middle Tennessee federal court. Aaron's longtime friend, Grace Chapel Pastor Steve Berger, gave a sworn affidavit that was signed on June 14, 2021. 
Pastor Berger, Berger swore under, our, under oath, quote, I did meet with Grant Solomon on or about May 8, 2018 at 11.30 a.m. We met privately in my office. Our conversation consisted of a discussion of spiritual matters, namely how Grant could grow closer to Christ. At no time in this meeting or otherwise did Grant express to me any sexual abuse allegations of any kind of involving his sister, his father, or that his father had abused him or Gracie in any way whatsoever, end quote. In reality, Grant had spoke with Berger on May 8, 2018, about getting help for his family. It wasn't about getting closer to Christ or any of the crap that Berger was trying to sell. He went to them. They were his school. They were his church. He was asking for help for his family. And because Berger and Solomon are buddy-buddy, no, can't, sorry, can't help you. So we're going <laughs> to, this is probably going to have some blowback to it, but you know what? That's okay. Um, there's some political ties and lots of church laws. Grace Christian Academy, this is just a little background. Grace Christian Academy in Nashville, because I know there's one in Knoxville too. I'm not sure if they're affiliated or not, but the one in Nashville is a K-12 private Christian school located on the same campus as Grace Chapel Church. The current pastor, Robbie Mason, owns Grace Christian Academy. Grace Chapel Church is a evangelical megachurch. If you know anything about the South, those are everywhere. Um, it is currently run by Robbie Mason and the church elders. One of the members is Tennessee Governor Bill Lee and his family. They attend Grace Chapel. Senator Bill Haggerty also attends Grace Chapel. Pastor Steve Berger is a friend and a supporter of both Lee and Haggerty. If you have even turned on the news lately you have seen how wonderful governor governor lee is to all of us um he has (laughs) yeah there's a lot of stuff he's not a good person um a lot of these people that he are he is connected to are not great either berger um resigned from grace chapel 13 months after grant's death berger is berger I think it's Berger, is now the leader of Ambassador Services International, ASI. ASI ministers to members of Congress and staff members of the U.S. Senate and others in Washington, D.C. On June 14, 2021, an attorney, W. Tyler Weiss, sent a in retaliation, he sent this, quote, data preservation and demand for retraction letter to Melanie Hicks and her son, Wynn, on behalf of Grace Christian Academy. 
Anybody that said anything against Aaron, anybody who said anything against Grace Chapel or Grace Christian Academy has been getting these letters at the cease and, and assist, desist, sorry. Um, two, day late, two days later, on June 16th, 2021, Attorney Larry Crane sent a, quote, cease and desist letter to a blogger, Shannon Ashley, who had written a blog, blog article about the sexual abuse of Gracie and the suspicious death of Grant. This was sent on behalf of Grace Christian Academy and Aaron's friend, Pastor Steve Berger. Larry Crane, who sent that out, he's a member of Grace Chapel also. He's the lawyer, one of the lawyers for Grace Chapel. Crane has also worked on other sexual abuse cases that um, have been kind of swept under the rug and, you know, they're not letting anybody talk about. Um, One includes author John Perry, Governor and First Lady Lee, Cross Presbyterian Academy, and Covenant Presbyterian Church. Now, that's the one that was just recently involved in the school shooting. Um, I don't know the details of these cases, but if you would like more information, you can view them and read them on thesilentbell.org, and that will be linked in the blog post that is, um, goes with this. It has sources and everything, so that'll be in there. And you can have a look for yourself about these lawsuits. Pastor Rob Rogers from Grace Chapel, publicly called Gracie's allegations, quote, blatantly and demonstrable, I can't say that word, false. Anyway, he said they were false. Um, On August the 11th, 2021, Todd McMurdy, that may sound familiar if you watch a lot of news, um, he represented Kyle Rittenhouse. So, you know, that's, that's great sent at least one cease and desist letter to Melanie Hicks and others. McMurdy represents Sam Johnson, who is one of Aaron's buddies, and he returned to the scene of Grant's death with Aaron about eight days later to provide Angie with false information. On November 10th, 2011, Bill Lee, the Tennessee legislature, news outlets, and many others were invited to to attend a candlelight vigil for Grant. None of the elected officials attended. Former GCA teacher Mary Keith Skinner said, quote, I believe Grant was murdered, and I don't think it was an accident, end quote. On December 2nd, 2021, Melanie Hicks sent the same letter and other information pertaining to Gracie and Grant and provided it to the Tennessee Supreme Court via an appeal on another child sex abuse cover-up with connections to attorney Larry Crane, the governor and first lady, Grace Chapel, Grace Academy, Principal Richard Anderson, Cross Presbyterian Academy, Covenant Presbyterian Church, and others. The court provided the letter 
as an exhibit with a timely error motion, but it is unknown if the four remaining court justices ever saw the letter. On February 3rd, 2022, news reporter Alex Willis asked Governor Lee during a press conference if he had received the letter, and Lee gave talking points drawn up by his former chief legal counsel, Jonathan Skimerit, who is currently the Tennessee's attorney general. Quote, so um, whenever I receive a letter like that, and it's been several months, I may have received a letter with regard to that. Then the letter moves on to our um, either Department of Safety, appropriately so, or legal services to determine if there is any reason for our engagement there. And I, uh, I trust the investigative process there and wouldn't have anything else to say about that. End quote. And that's from wonderful Governor Bill Lee. So there are a lot of political and church ties. It's just a whole big thing. Um, you need to go to the silentbell.org and read all of that. Um, I'm wondering if with the unfortunate school shooting that happened at Covenant, um, if that's also going to bring more of this stuff to the surface, because it seems like there's a, a lot of um, politicians and private institutions that are hiding things down there and uh, I have a feeling that with this about Grant and Gracie getting more exposure because it has gotten a lot but it needs much 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 more so please share please please share um, when you combine that with other things that have happened down there uh, I think there's getting ready to be a lot of information put out there that people are not going to be real happy about um some of Aaron's erratic behavior, if you haven't been able to tell by now that he's completely off hinges. Um, on 9-21-20, Aaron tells Gracie that he was coming to pick her up. This was Gracie's biggest fear. She didn't want to be near him. I mean, he abused her, so why would you want to be, you know, and could have killed her brother. I, I wouldn't want to be around him. Um, a restraining order is obtained. 10-6-20, Aaron secretly purchases grave plots for Angie and Gracie next to his plot and Grant's grave. Gracie declines. Um, I don't blame her. Also, that's very strange. Why would you do that and not ask anybody? Um, October, November, December of 2020, this makes me so mad, y'all. Aaron violates the restraining order 18 times. 18 times he violates the restraining order. And he does not get anything. Not a slap on the wrist, nothing. He just 18 times went completely against it. I, <laughs> Why would you not enforce this? This is why women and children and whoever seeks a restraining order, this is why they get killed because they don't enforce them. It's just a piece of paper that's 
my soap, one of my soap boxes I get on. They tell you to do this, you go file it, and you know what? Nobody does shit about it when they when they violate them. They just let them go on and keep violating them until something bad happens. And then they're like, well, we don't know. We didn't see it escalating. Yeah, you did. He broke it 18 times. On In March of 2021, Gracie, bless her heart, she has to testify in court and in order to protect herself from Aaron. Um, she's seeing a therapist. She's, you know, doing all the things that she can do to cope and make it through. 3-4-2021, Aaron takes everything off Grant's gravesite as retaliation against everything that Angie and Gracie have done that have pissed him off. This is devastating. Gracie loves to take care of the gravesite. Um, it helps her with her healing process. Angie works with the funeral home to restore it. In May of 21, Aaron files a, files a motion to remove Gracie from her mom. Gracie is removed and put into DCS custody. So, the call to action. What do we need to do to help this poor mama and her her sweet daughter? Um, the abuse of Gracie and the death of Grant needs to be frontline news. It needs to be all over the media, social media, television, newspapers, everything. It needs to be out there. I had no idea about this case and I researched cases from everywhere, but especially in my, my home state, I live in Tennessee and I'm always, you know, every day I'm searching, trying to find stuff. And I had not seen anything about this until freedom for Gracie reached out to me. And I'm so glad that they did. And I hope you all share, 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 share. Here are some ways um, that you can help. Share this and any blog post, article, podcast, YouTube video, video, anything. Share it. Follow Freedom for Gracie on all social media. Go to Freedom for Gracie to sign and share the petition. And donate to Gracie's GoFundMe if you, if you can. Feel free to send letters, requests, whatever to... Billy, your local representatives, news outlets, the police departments. That would be the Franklin PD, Gatlin PD, Tennessee Highway Patrol, TBI, Tennessee Bureau of Investigation. They're on Twitter. They're they've got they're on all the socials. TBI is flood them with it. Maybe they'll take notice and they can investigate and find stuff that Maybe they can't be corrupted by locals like the others. Um, it, it would be nice to get like the TBI involved and hopefully they wouldn't, you know, it's not, <laughs> this case is the ultimate example of the good old boy network. Um, Y'all know about that. It's everywhere. It's real bad here in Tennessee. Um, 
you would think the bigger cities it wouldn't be as bad but researching this I found out it's it's worse um but please please share please tell people about this please donate if you can we need to get this out there and we need this case to be taken seriously and Grant and Gracie need justice. Angie needs help. They need acknowledgement that somebody is going to help them. So I am begging you to please do that. If you have any questions, need any information, feel free to contact me on social media. Email me, whatever you need to do. All the information you need is going to be either in the show notes or you can click on the link to my blog and all the information's right there. Y'all, please share this. Take care, be safe, and I'll talk to you soon.